Uh, this morning, we're starting a new two-part series. It's called Living Hidden in a Social Media World. Ooh, isn't that weird? We live in a social media world where everybody wants everyone to know everything they're doing. And everybody's going, who cares, right? Like, I don't know about you guys. Have you ever like, looked at Instagram or looked at Facebook and you see everybody's posts and you're going, who cares? <laughs> Why are you sharing that? Why, what makes you think that that little trivial bit of information is so fascinating that you have to share it with the world? We don't care where you had coffee this morning. We really don't. It's okay. It's all right. I know your coffee got a little swirl on it. You know what? Even, I don't care if it's the Mona Lisa. Who cares? Who cares? Uh, that's kind of how I'm feeling. And maybe it's just because I turned 50 in January, and so I'm getting a little grumpier. But uh, I, feel, I feel like, who gives a rip? Um, but we're talking about living hidden in a social media world. We're going to examine the blessings of living a life that goes in a different direction than the rest of the world. Because we see the, you know, the world heading in one direction. You know, it's funny. I heard recently they did a survey amongst junior high students and asked them what they wanted to do for a career, what they wanted to do with their life, how they were going to make their money and provide for their family and all that stuff. And the number one answer that they gave was YouTube channel. Wow. And so, you know, and some people do. Some people do. Some people, like, they, they, there's, like, kids that are, you know, still teenagers that are making millions of dollars on this thing. But I find it very interesting that that is, like, an option. For, for me, the option was, like, welder, baker, accountant. I think were the three. That's it. That's all you could be in the 80s was one of those three things. And so, but now you have those other things. Um, I remember, so, like, way back in the day, Way back, it's funny because it seems like um, shorter time frames now feel like longer time spans. Does that make sense? Like it used to be 20 years was a long time ago or 50 years was a long time ago. Now five years is a long time ago because technology triples every year and so much of life is lived online and all of that. And, uh, but I remember way back in the day, uh, this must have been around 2007-ish, so 10, 13, 14 years ago. Um, those of us who are older, like 14 years ago is nothing, right? You turn around and it's been 14 years. And I was working for a regional prayer ministry, and um, we had this last-minute opportunity to bring in a very well-known worship leader. And it was sort of like, hey, last minute, this guy's available, and so... Let's, let's get him to swing by and do a night of praise for the youth of the Quad Cities. It was like a youth night of praise. And since my role at the prayer center was working with the next generation, they were like, promote it. Your budget is zero. And so I had to promote this event that was going to take place like in the next week with zero budget. And so we had this thing. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. But uh, it was called MySpace. Uh, this was back before the days of Facebook, or very few people knew about Facebook. It was sort of just on some college campuses. I had no idea what I was going to do. I didn't have any time. I didn't have any budget. But I was like, all right, I'll do it. And so I took to MySpace. I can't even say MySpace without wanting to giggle, because uh, you look at it now, and it just seems so primitive. But I went on to MySpace, 
and I created some shareable graphics. So I went on Photoshop, I created this graphic, this cool graphic to promote this event, and I created it, see if I could generate some, some interest and all that stuff. And, and that was about it. That's all I had time to do. I didn't have time to go hit the bunch of youth groups and talk about it and promote it. I didn't even have time to make a flyer and go around and hang them up. It was just this, just MySpace. And so I went on MySpace, created the graphic and all that, and so the night of the event, you know, here we have this, this guy coming in, and uh, I had no idea. I had no idea what to expect. And uh, almost 1,000 kids showed up to this thing because it just went, blah, 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 blah. it went viral, as they say, right? Uh, <laughs> are you familiar with that term, viral? And so uh, it went viral. It went out there, and all these people showed up, and it was wonderful. And it was, it was like the first time in my life where actually... I realized there's something, you know, in this. There's this, this social media thing. There's something to it. it it's actually pretty powerful. And, uh, and so shortly after that, I actually started uh, my business, my digital marketing business. And um, to, to attract clients, I would go and I would do social media workshops and teach churches and small businesses how to use social media to promote them. And so I thought they were awesome. And uh, now I'm like, just stay away, right? But, uh, you know, this back in the day, this new thing was trending like this. Everything was up and to the right. Uh, today, 2.7 billion people use Facebook. 2.7 billion. Does that number mean anything to anybody here? 2.7 billion. What is that? Is that like a quarter of the world or something like that? It's like this, that's a massive number. 2.7 billion people use Facebook. 2.3 billion people use YouTube. 2.3 billion people are on YouTube. 2.2 uh, billion people use Instagram, right? And 2.2 people use MySpace, I think. So that's it's a little smaller now. I don't think I could pull off what I did before. But that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. And, uh, and since, you know, most, most people use these things uh, on their phones, right? So they're, they're on their phones. And so they are ever-present, just ever-present everywhere. Everywhere you go, you've got 2.2 billion people, you know, reaching in there. And, uh, and so they're there. They're ever-present. They're always on. They're constantly available. You know, your password is stored in your phone. So all you got to do is take out your phone, and psh, there it is, right? And so they're just constantly available. And researchers have found a correlation. It's science, yo. Have found a correlation between the amount of social media use and depression. There's actually a correlation there. The more people uh, are on social media, the more depression is found. Interesting. <laughs> right? It's because you're all depressed about the comment, right? 71% of Americans sleep next to their phone with them or, or with their phone actually in bed with them or under their pillow, right? They don't want to miss a text. They don't want to miss a snap, right? And so they sleep with their phone right there. 45% of Americans, roughly 45% of Americans, the ones who admit it, um, check social media while they're driving. While they're driving! I've seen people do it. I just want to reach out in my window and just grab them by the, the uh, Abercrombie cap and uh, just yank their head out. And so 
but even though nine people die every day because they're on social media while they're driving, nine people drive, die every day, but you still have all those people out there that are going, I'm the exception. Nothing's going to happen, right? And they've got their phone down here. You can see it glowing against their face as they're driving. And while you're behind them, you're like, what are they doing? You know? And so uh, it's, it's, it's pretty scary. The completely insane thing about all this is that social media has now become uh, so toxic that it's divided friends and divided family. There are family members who will not speak to each other because of what they posted on social media. There are friends who, who won't talk to each other anymore because of uh, some sort of stance or some sort of post or some sort of whatever on social media. Uh, teens now commit suicide because of their interactions on it. And so teen suicide is up because of social media use. Um, and there's actually centers opening up around the world to help people break social media addiction. So it's pretty crazy. It's straight up crazy. It is. We live in a crazy, 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 crazy world. Uh, personally, when I'm on social media more-ish, I tend to feel a sense of toxicity. There's this almost kind of this toxic sense, this sense of, like, I really need a shower. You know, I need to take a walk in nature after being on social media for a little bit. Um, there's a sense of toxicity. My, I notice that when I'm on social media a lot, that my attention span decreases. Uh, the average American already has a lower attention span than a goldfish. And so, and that's true. Um, but mine actually gets lower when I'm on social media a lot. Here's the other thing that I notice about social media. I don't like myself when I'm on social media a lot because I tend to be more judgmental. It just, the more I'm on it, the more judgmental I get, right? I'm the old fart who's on there going, friggin' idiots, idiots, idiots. And so that's kind of me. And so uh, I don't like myself when I'm on social media a lot. Uh, the other thing is I, I tend to feel a little more anxious when I'm on it a lot, when I'm on Facebook a lot or whatever. I tend to feel a little more anxious. Uh, part of it is this, is that our brains are not and we're not wired uh, for the fire hose of information. We just were not. Social media is like a fire hose of information. You go through it and uh, you see all the, pe people are always posting news articles. You know, posting blog posts, posting news articles, posting, and it's always the worst of everything, right? Very few people actually go on social media and share how, you know, maybe a cure was found for that or that good deed was done. Of course, American news is 90% bad news um, because, right, if it bleeds, it leads, huh? Yeah, because it sells, because bad news sells. And so um, we go on there, and it's this fire hose of information that social media delivers. So what happens is, is it destroys our mental emotional margin. Do you all know what, our, what that is, mental emotional, emotional margin? Do you all know what margin is, right? That little space in the side of your paper? Those of us who remember writing our reports on loose leaf paper, you know, the little pink line? You have all that space for writing, and then on the left, you have the margin. And that's where you keep little notes, that's a nice empty space, all that stuff, but then it's that. So, a mental emotional margin is that space of, of clarity, is that space of freedom, is that space for letting your, your brain get bored, your brain sort of just relaxing, right? Otherwise, it's always engaged, always engaged, always engaged. And without mental and emotional margin, we get anxious, we get depressed, right? 
we can't think clearly, our attention span goes down. And so we tend to fill the margin with social media, and that's not a good thing. And Alan, maybe you found yourself there. Uh, maybe you found yourself there around election time. I hate election time on social media, right? Because everybody thinks their candidate is the savior and the other one's the devil, right? Trump's the devil, Biden's the devil, Biden's the savior, Trump's the savior. Uh, like, it's, ju it's just, it's craziness. Nobody on social media goes on there and goes, you know, Biden has a few good points on climate control, and you know, Trump has some really great economic, uh, you know, policies, and you know, gosh, you know, let's talk about that. No, it's you're the devil, you're the savior, and if you support the devil, you're a demon, and if you support the savior, you must be an angel, and we're all, that's how we live, and we're just divided with this massive, you know, divide between us. But maybe you found yourself, you know, you're on Facebook around that time. People are getting nasty, and you find your, your grace level decreasing, you know, your grace level. Uh, you pick up your phone. I don't know if you guys have ever done this. I've done this. You pick up your phone to check the weather, and then you're like, how did I get on Instagram? I don't even remember tapping the icon. I just remember picking it up thinking that I want to find out what the temperature is outside, and here I am on Instagram, and I still don't know what the temperature is outside. <laughs> Right? And so you laugh because it's true. Uh, but you don't even remember opening up the app. You know, it's, it's hard to find peace in your thoughts when we're there. It's hard to find connection with God. Uh, but if you're really honest, you'd admit your phone has been a distraction. You know, if you're honest, you'd admit your phone has been a distraction. It, you know, I've been in meetings with some of y'all. I've seen you with your phones out, not listening to me. And... Uh, you know, I've been there. Uh, I think that, that our phone usage is one area that, that a vast majority of people have a massive, uh, let's just call it denial around it. No, I don't have a problem around that. I don't have a problem. I don't look at it too much. What are you talking about? I only look at, I only look at when I need to. What? Have you seen? Oh, you know... And so, like, we have such denial around this area. And I find that the more that we're honest with ourselves and the more that we're honest with others, the greater our freedom level has the potential to be. Because when we deny things, we'll never work on it. We'll never, you know, we'll never do the homework. We'll never do the hard stuff. We'll never move forward. We'll never grow. Your denial has this way of just, well, you know, we deny things. Why do we deny things? We just talked about it a couple weeks ago. Pride that ugly pride. We deny things because we're full of pride. We don't want to admit that there's an issue. And I find that the sooner that we admit that there's an issue, the sooner we can move forward, we can grow. And that's where God wants us. God wants, doesn't want us to simply look like we're growing and look like we have it all together because here's the thing. The only one you're fooling is you. When you try to look like you got it all together, the only one that you're fooling is you. Everybody sees your issue, right? Everybody sees it, and when you deny it, right? Uh, you can't grow past it. And so what can we learn from scripture on, on this topic? And I found this really interesting scripture in Exodus uh, that I think really speaks to this. But uh, first, let's pray real quick. God, I, I pray that you would cause your word to come alive in us, to bring transformation in us. Lord, I pray that in this, this area, Lord, that seems to just really be uh, wrecking a lot of people, Lord, that we would uh, we would stand above that, Lord, that we would be people 
uh, marked with a uniqueness, marked with a peace, marked with some margin, <laughs> God, that are following you, growing in you, and, uh, and are able to just have the courage to, um, Lord, uh, reject the flow, God, and go a different direction. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, it's funny. Uh, I, so many times we convince ourselves that we actually need these things, that we actually need social media. I've been doing a little experiment with a business I launched two years ago with a guy, and uh, we have not used social media to grow the business, and it's doing fine. Like, so we even tell ourselves, you know, like, oh, I need it for my business. I mean, you know, my, our business is growing fine without social media, and I love it. I'm glad that we kind of made that little experiment. But anyway, so I'm going to start off by reading uh, about Moses. And here's the thing about Moses is Moses had a very special relationship with God. Moses had this relationship with God where he, uh, he's, he's the only one in Scripture that we see. I mean, we do, t- we do see other people, like we see Enoch who walked with God and all that stuff. But Moses is very unique because it uses the words talk to God face to face as a friend talks with a friend. And every time I read that about Moses, like my heart just leaps and goes, I want that. I want that, right? I want to talk with God as a friend talks with a friend. And so we see this about Moses. He talked with God... Uh, as a friend talks with a friend, and one of the things that Moses did is he actually set up a tent. He's called it the tent of meeting. And he set up this tent where he would go to the tent and sit and just talk with God. And one of the interesting characteristics about this tent is that he decided he would pitch this tent away from everybody else. He went outside of the camp and he pitched this tent so that he could sit and talk with God. And it says in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, um, it says, Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Don, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. And you see two amazing spiritual fathers here. People who, who have done... Who, these are like people of legend, Right? And their desire and their longing was just to be one-on-one with God. Just to be alone with God, forget all that other stuff. I'm sure there was lots happening in the camp. There was probably just wonder, you know, they were probably, you know, cooking calves and dancing. There was probably music. I don't know what there was. I don't know what they did, right? But we know that these guys got alone and they sat with God. They took the time to shut everything else out. And so if you remember one thing this morning, just remember this. Regular breaks from social media detoxify the soul. They detoxify the soul. There is no doubt in my mind, and if you're honest with yourself, there's no doubt in your mind as well, that social media just has sort of a toxifying effect. It does. When I'm on it, I can feel it. Everybody that I know who talks about it, uh, who I've talked to about it, will say the exact same thing. They feel it too. They kind of feel this toxicity within social media, and they get negative and nasty and all those things. Social media has a toxifying effect, okay? And carrying social media on your phone is like, it's like having a party in your pocket, right? Isn't it? It's like having a party in your pocket you can just take out anytime. What's everybody doing? I wonder what everybody, I wonder how so-and-so is doing on vacation. I wonder if anybody liked my picture. I wonder if anybody commented on it. And you get a share, it's like, woo! Move over, Beatles. 
somebody shared my post. I'm bigger than the Beatles, right? I mean, we just, there's this sense of euphoria. There's this sense of, like, it's, it's crazy. And it's this party in your pocket that you can take out anytime, see what everybody's up to. And after all, we don't want to miss out. Now, there is a very real, very real psychological phenomenon called, y'all know what it is? FOMO, yo. FOMO is real, yo. Fear of missing out. And we think if we don't check, we're missing out. We feel like if we don't see what's happening in the news, we're missing out. I love it. This guy that I listen to and Hudson listens to says, listen, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you will be at least 50% happier if you stop looking at the news. Right? And so, we, but we have this FOMO. We have this FOMO. We have this fear of missing out. I got to check. I got to check in. And fear of missing out is totally real. And the irony is that social media promises one thing but delivers another. And it's, it's designed. It's designed that way. Some of the same guys who design slot machines to keep people pulling that one-armed bandit are the same guys who design social media, right, to keep you pulling. What will happen next when I refresh? What will I see? Will something, you know, uh, will something give me that little dopamine hit, right? And so social media promises one thing but delivers another. And by deliberately triggering this small dopamine hit through likes and comments, what it does is it gets us wanting more, right? I never check more than when I post. And you know what? I don't care what you have to say. I just want to see how many likes I got, right? Don't, huh? Am I the only one honest person? Y'all are thinking, boy, you're a jerk. No, you all are like that too, okay? I don't care what you have to say. I just want to see what comments I got. I just want to see how many likes I got. Let's see if anybody shared this bad boy. And it's all about that sort of like that dopamine hit. It wants us more. But the more time we spend on it, the more tired we feel. Right? The more time we spend on it, the more irritable we become. The more time we spend on it, the more we're pulled away from actual real life. Real life. Right? Face-to-face relationships that are healthy, that are restorative. I find it awesome that scripture uses the term face-to-face when God talks to Moses. God didn't text him. God could have sent him a little, you know, tablet, right? Slid it under his pillow, right? But he spoke to him face-to-face. I believe that God values face-to-face communication. That real relationship happens face-to-face, okay? You know, when Wendy and I, when we sit and talk, we talk face-to-face. We don't text each other. We talk face-to-face. And there's no substitute for face-to-face relationships. And so it's, uh, you know, we, we live in this wonderful world that God created, and it's so hard to, to enjoy it all when our face is in our phone. You know, like the most tragic thing that you can do is go visit the Grand Canyon and spend the day like this. You ever see people like that? Have you ever, like, gone on vacation or gone to another country or gone to some sort of attraction, you know, like Carlsbad Caverns or Grand Canyon or something like that, and you see people walking around like this when they've got this beauty, like, like splendor in front of them, okay? But God has given us lots of splendor. We don't have to go to the Grand Canyon to see it. Sometimes we can just look in the face of our kids and see it, 
right? One of the most tr- just like tragic things that I see is if we go out to eat and we see a family nearby and every single family member has their face in their phone. What in the world? Y'all know that when you turn around, those kids are going to be moving out. It happens about that fast, right? You have a child, and then it's like, you know, you, you, you can, all you have to do is turn around, and it's Christmas again? Christmas? You know, it's, it's like that. It happens that fast. And we miss it when we spend time with them, and we're doing this. And it's so tragic. It's so tragic. And so God values face-to-face communication. And so the more time we spend on it, the more irritable we feel, the more we miss out on face-to-face relationships. We miss out on those healthy, restorative things, and we exchange depth for shallowness, for just shallow comments and likes and all that jazz, right? So uh, regular breaks will help detoxify the soul. Uh, First of all, how does this work? The first thing is this. Solitude strengthens our friendship with God. It's in solitude that we grow in our relationship with God. It's not, you know, being plugged in. It's taking our tent of meeting and separating ourselves from all the people. Okay, it's in solitude. Moses knew the distraction of being surrounded by people all the time. He knew that. His tent is where he met with God. And it was away from everybody else. It was away from the activity. It was away from the fun. It was away from the information. All the things that you don't want to miss out on, that is what Moses got away from. Okay? And in that, Moses spoke with the Lord face to face. And that kind of intimacy, okay, the kind of intimacy that Moses had with God is impossible under conditions of constant distraction. It's not. It's it's not going to happen. Moses gave God his undivided attention for long periods of time. For long periods of time. Right now, we pray for five minutes, and then we check our phone, and then we go back to praying, right? Or, or, you know, whatever. And so, but he gave him long periods of undivided uh, attention. He didn't stop praying every few minutes to check Facebook, or he didn't, you know, grab his Instagram and, like, snap a picture of the Torah with his... (laughs) with his cup of coffee next to it to share with everybody how he's doing his devotions, right? So, you know, I'm really happy that you're doing your devotions, but you didn't need to stop and take a picture of it. That was your time. That was your special time with God. That's your special time with God. Don't share it with me, right? Don't share it with me. I don't, I don't want to see that. I want you to have that special time with God, and I don't want you to interrupt that special time with God to share it with me, okay? Glad that you're doing it. Glad that you're spending time with God, but you don't need to share it. Not everything in life needs to be shared. Not everything in life needs to be shared. Where does it end? Just got new underwear, yo. You know, where, where does it end? Where does all of the sharing of the minute details of our lives end? Okay? And so uh, that kind of intimacy that Moses had, it happens without constant distraction. All right? Jesus said, when you pray, go to your secret place. When you pray, go to your secret place. Go be alone. Go be in your secret place with the Lord. Withdrawing from people to be alone and to be quiet was part of Jesus' rhythms of life. Read Luke chapter 5, right? Luke, Luke 5, 16. Jesus went and he got alone regularly to pray. Oh, that's where it happens. That's where it happens is just being alone 
to pray. Some people are like, well, my Bible's on my phone. You know, and I get that, but unless you have a way to block everything else, to strip everything off of your phone except for your Bible, you know what? Do yourself a favor, get a paper Bible. Get get one. I hate to sound like old school. Doesn't make sound old. But you know, just do yourself a favor. Get a paper Bible. Or put your phone in airplane mode. Okay? It's it's just it's not that just get, find a way to do it without distraction. Because, you know, if you can't even check the temperature without finding yourself on Instagram, you know, imagine trying to spend some time in the Word. All right? Oh, gosh. And so, so even now, just pay attention. Don't text me. <laughs> just be alone. <laughs> so, yeah, why am I checking my, why am I preaching with this right here? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, when you pray, go to your secret place. Do you want to feel close to God again? then just take a little cell phone fast. Just take a cell phone fast. It's all right. You'll be okay. You know, one of the things that I learned from my mom, right? Mom, if you're watching, if you're listening, I love you. One of the things that she used to do is when she wanted to go, this was back before the days of cell phones, and so what she used to do when she wanted to go to pray is she would take the phone off the hook. And uh, she didn't know that you could just sort of disconnect the the cord from the phone. You know, because after the phone's been off the hook for a while, it goes, night, 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 night. That's super old, okay? So, like, some of you younger people are like, what are you talking about? What's a cord? And, uh, and so she would take the receiver off the phone, and she would put it in the drawer, because the, the towel drawer was underneath the phone. And she would put the receiver in the drawer and close the door the drawer so she couldn't hear, you know, the, the tone going, bah, 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 bah. and so she would take the phone off the hook, and then she'd go in a room and pray, okay? Oh, I think we need to be able to do that in our culture today, is to metaphorically take the phone off the hook, you know, take the phone and put it in airplane mode, and then toss it somewhere where we're not going to be distracted by it. I, I've actually had to do that because, listen, guys, I'm preaching to me, right? Like, I've actually had to do that. Take my phone, put it in airplane mode, and then walk it across the room and put it in the closet and close the door because I didn't want it to be easy for me to get to because I knew that I would, right? And if it's not, if it's not social media, it's other things. It's, you know, checking uh, news, you know. Let's, let's check on the coronavirus. Like, it's going to be any different whether I check on it or not, right? Or check on stocks or check on this or check on that or, you know, whatever. And so just take it off the hook, put it in airplane mode, walk it across the room somewhere. But go to your secret place, okay? So, want to feel close to God again? Take a cell phone fast. The next thing is this, is that silence allows us to hear the Lord's voice. God speaks in in the silence. It's in the silence. You know, um, God spoke to Elijah in a whisper in 1 Kings 19, right? Uh, God, so many times we, we'll go onto social media and we see like memes, we see inspiring things, and we look for inspiration. We were talking about this morning with the prayer, uh, praying beforehand, and how, you know, we will open up social media and maybe somebody will share a scripture, maybe somebody has some sort of inspiring meme or whatever. And, you know, that is still in competition to what God is trying to speak to you right here and right now. Okay? That's just inspiration. You know, inspiration is wonderful. I love inspiration, but it's not a substitute for revelation, right? Inspiration is not a substitute for intimacy with God. This 
Inspiration. We, we get so hooked on inspiration. Some, some people, man, you know what? You got enough inspiration. Go do something with your inspiration, right? You're inspired to death, but your life is a wreck, okay? Forget, you don't need more inspiration, okay? Instead of inspiration, get some actual information. Get some revelation, you know? Get some intimacy. There are better things than inspiration. Inspiration's good. Love it. But it can still be a distraction from God speaking to you. So, uh, you know, God speaks in silence, in silence. He gave, uh, you know, Peter a powerful vision while he was what? In Acts chapter 11. He was quietly meditating. He was just quiet. In fact, he was on a roof, probably so he could be alone. There's probably people in the house. He's like, I, I, I need a place to be alone. I'm going to go up on the roof, you know. You know, there is something special about the roof. I have a friend that had a lake house years ago, year, many, 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 many years ago, and it was vacant. And he, didn't, he, didn't, he never gave me a key to it, but he said, you can go out there anytime you want. And so he just let me set up a ladder to go up on the garage roof. And I would just go up on the garage roof at like 5 in the morning and watch the sunrise and just worship and pray. And, and those rooftop times were just amazing. And I didn't have a phone with me, nothing. And so just those uh, good, like solid periods of time. When Wendy, wants, when Wendy wants to experience closeness and intimacy with me and, and really connect and talk, she'll, she'll use these words. I need a good block of time. I need a solid block of time, right? And we need those blocks of uninterrupted, undistracted times. And so I, I, I have a friend who is a, is a uh, self-admitting cell phone addict, Right? And when he's out with his wife, he'll look at his phone and things like that. And it's gotten to the point now where uh, his wife calls his phone his black girlfriend. And she'll say, what do you do? Put your black girlfriend away. You're with me, right? And so it's hard to have intimacy when we're constantly distracted, either with people or with God. And so uh, he was quietly meditating. He appeared to John after he'd been alone on an island for a while, right? That's how the book of Revelations was written. And one thing I've learned about God speaking to me, and here's what I've learned, and you can write this down, it's that God will not compete for my attention. He won't. He's a gentleman. And if I want to ignore God to look at my phone, he's not going to compete. He's going to go, okay, look at your phone. Right? I mean, you know... All I have to offer is being the way, the truth, and the life. But if you want to look at your phone, you go right ahead, right? All I have to offer is, you know, peace and strength and wisdom and, you know. But, hey, you've got memes. You've got memes, right? God's not going to compete for my attention. He won't interrupt my YouTube watching or my Instagram scrolling to give me a word. It's when I shut out the distractions that I begin to hear him. And when I shut them out, usually for long periods of time. It's when I shut out distractions. And so, uh, lastly, eliminating distraction creates space for the Holy Spirit to lead us into more fulfilling things. Right? We only have so much space in our lives. That, that's, that's just a fact. There's so much, only so much space in your mental capacity, your emotional capacity. There's only so many minutes and hours in a day and years in a life. There's only so much space in our lives. And I think the thing about social media is we feel like it doesn't take up much space. We feel like it doesn't take up much space because, you know, it's just a minute here, a minute there. It's just a second here and there. It's just a quick check, right? 
And, and regardless of the fact that the average person will spend two and a half hours a day looking at social media. Two and a half hours a day. A day! That's how, how much those little checks add up to, about two and a half hours a day. Think about that. That's what, 15, about 20 hours a week. That's a part-time job, right? And so we have to make room, make room for the Holy Spirit. Make room for it, okay? Eliminate distractions. Most of us don't realize the mental and emotional margin that social media takes away from us, right? How do we know? How do you know that you need margin? How do you know that you need margin? Well, irritability is one sign that you need margin, that you don't have enough margin. When you're kind of irritable. Has anybody here ever been irritable in the last year? Not me. Yeah, no, right? Remember about denial? Remember what I said about denial? Right? It's not just a river in Egypt. Okay? And so, uh, so we need margin. Irritability. Anxiety is a sign that we need a little bit of margin in our lives. That we need to kind of take a break from distractions. Anxiety. Impatience. When we're impatient with others, it means we need a little bit of margin. When we don't have grace for other people, right? You're kind of judgmental. You don't have much grace for other people. It means that, you know, you, you could use a little margin. You could use a little break. Give your, give your brain a break from the constant uh, siphoning of information, okay? And entertainment and distraction and all those things. You know, we're, we're just, we're people who are entertaining ourselves to death. You know, it's crazy, the, the amount of entertainment that we take in and information that we take in. It's nuts. You know what? Go outside and ride your bike. I'm going to tell you what my parents used to tell me. Go outside and ride your bike. Right? That's what, my, that's what my mom used to tell me when I was grumpy. Go outside and play. Go outside and ride your bike. Go outside. Get some sunshine. Do something that doesn't involve a screen. Those are all the things that my parents used to tell me, and that's what I'm telling you. Okay? Go outside and ride your bike. Go outside and play. Get away from the screen. Okay? But one of the ways that we create margin in our lives is by just letting our minds rest. Just letting our minds rest. Because something very unique happens in our minds. And, it's, and actually, our, our minds are built this way. And uh, by not constantly feeding our minds information, by not constantly uh, feeding our minds with entertainment, it allows us to breathe. It allows our minds to breathe, and it activates parts of our brain that are not activated when we are consuming, right? Some of the greatest thinkers in the world used to go out to a cabin where they, where they didn't listen to music, where they didn't, actually, they did not allow someone else's thoughts to enter their mind. You kind of following me with that? When you listen to somebody else's, you know, uh, lyrics, when you read somebody else's blog, when you're reading the news, when you're checking social media, all those things, you know what you're doing? You're allowing somebody else's thoughts to enter your mind. And then your mind has to process those thoughts. Your mind has to process those words. Your mind has to process all of that. And what happens when you just stop for a little bit? It allows your brain to start thinking. And here's what happens, is the creative uh, the creative problem-solving mechanisms in your brain start to fire. If you've got an issue in your life that you're looking for an answer for and you're stuck, do you know what you need to do? Be quiet. Go for a walk with no music, no nothing. And a lot of you are going, that sounds so boring. All right? And it's because we've had so much, and we've become so accustomed to being entertained and stimulated 
that now we think it's boring to just have silence. But what happens when you have silence for long enough, those creative problem-solving mechanisms kick in. The creativity happens. All of a sudden, we can hear the Lord's voice speaking to us. Wonderful things happen when we embrace those boring activities, those boring things. Wonderful things happen. I'm telling you, wonderful things. Y'all want to, people ask me all the time, where do you get your ideas for your books? You know what I tell them? On a walk. I take, I take about an hour long walk and I don't listen to anything. I just listen to the birds sing. Sometimes I'll have some instrumental music, maybe a little bit. But I just let my brain go, rest. And then after it's been resting for a little while, these ideas start to come. Oh, that's cool. That's a good idea. That's neat. That'd be a good idea. Hey, we could do that at the church. Hey, I should put that in my book. And that's when the ideas come, right? And so uh, problem-solving mechanisms begin to kick in. We find solutions to issues that we're facing. We get great ideas. We get real inspiration, not meme inspiration, when we let our brains take a rest, right? Authors find motivation for their next book. Musicians begin to hear new songs, right? Begin to hear new songs in their heads. And a dialogue with God begins to develop just through letting your brain rest. Boredom. It's a beautiful thing, right? It's a beautiful thing. Because the problem is, is you can't solve deep problems with shallow thinking. And you can't think deep thoughts when you're constantly being distracted. You can only think them when you're not distracted, all right? It's in the margins. It's in those margins. You're creating margin now with that, that the Holy Spirit does his best work in us. It's when we're hidden that we meet God, right, as friends, as friends. And so uh, as we close out today, worship team, if you want to come, uh, that's great. But I just want to, I want to make a challenge to you. I'm not standing here telling you all to, right now, cancel your Facebook accounts. I'm not telling anybody to do that. I'm not telling anybody here, delete your Instagram app from your phone, although you probably should. But I'm not telling anybody here to, 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 to strictly get off those things. But what I am telling you and challenging you to do is just take a phone break. Take a break from texting and from social media. Just take a break, right? And maybe like two nights a week, every Monday and Thursday, I'm just going to take my phone and... Uh, after dinner, I'm going to go put it in the other room so that I can focus on my family, I can spend some time with God, I can walk, I can do whatever. I can journal, I can write. Maybe you're, uh, you know, maybe you're an artist of some sort and you just want to spend a little time creating. right? Just take a break, that's all. Just take a break. One, two nights a week. I think we could all live without that. Would you agree? Yeah? Nobody here going to die without it one or two nights a week? Anybody going to turn to dust, right? Or maybe just every day you say, after dinner, I'm done with my phone. Here's what I've learned. We, we find some sort of virtue in being available. Well, I got to be available. I got to be available. And uh, one of the things that I have done since we started the church is eh, around 9 o'clock, getting close to bedtime, I'll actually take my phone and I'll put it in airplane mode and I'll toss it aside. And people will go, well, what if there's an emergency at your church? They'll live. 
y'all will live. I'm not a paramedic. I'm not a fireman. I'm not, you know, whatever. What, what can I do if there's an emergency? I'm not a doctor, right? I'll find out in the morning and I'll pray for you, right? <laughs> Your friends will live. Your children will live. Your family members will live. It will be okay if you're unavailable for a few nights or for a few hours or every night when you go to bed. It will be okay. God has your back. He's got you covered, right? I, and and, and I'm, if, you know what? If you have an emergency before 9, I'm there. <laughs> After that, you're going to have to wait till morning. <laughs> and, so, and so you will live. Whatever you choose, but that is the challenge, is to say, hey, every night after dinner, or every night I'm going to do this, or one night a week, or two nights a week, I'm just going to take a break. I'm going to disappear. And you, don't, you know what? You don't even need to go on Facebook and tell everybody you're going to disappear for a few hours. You don't need to even go on there and go, hey, guys, I'm off the grid for the next few hours. Because everybody's going, we don't care, right? It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's all right. Somebody needs to tell you it's okay to be unavailable, to miss out. So whatever you choose, the challenge is this, whether you choose one night a week, two nights a week, every night after dinner, whatever. Whatever you choose, make it sustainable. Make it sustainable. Make it something that you can do for the next six months, something that you can do for the next year. Because at least one of you are sitting in here this morning going, I'm tossing out my phone. Lie, because in three days you're going to go buy a new one. That's not sustainable. And so just make it sustainable. Make it sustainable, okay? And so imagine, I just want you to imagine. Why don't you stand up for a second? and I want you just to imagine with me. Imagine having a little more mental margin, right? Imagine having a little more grace, a little more patience, a little less irritability. Imagine that. Imagine that, okay? Imagine hearing the leading of the Holy Spirit in greater measure in your life, in greater measure. Wow, wouldn't that be awesome? Imagine that feeling of intimacy and hearing His voice. Imagine, I know some of you guys, I just, I don't know if you feel just maybe the Holy Spirit saying this, but I know some of you guys, I just feel, uh, miss how creative you used to be. Does that, does that strike a chord with anybody? You miss how creative you used to be? Imagine getting that back. Imagine writing songs again. Imagine creating art again. Imagine writing again. Okay? Establish your tent of meeting. Establish your tent of meeting, your phone-free tent of meeting, and imagine having a stronger relationship with God. Let's pray. God, we praise you. We love you. We thank you that you're, you're waiting for us. You're waiting for us, God. To live hidden in you. To live hidden in you. This morning, we want to do that. We, we, and, and for those of us who maybe don't want to, we want to want to, God. We want to want you more. We want to want greater intimacy with you. God, that you can restore our mental margin, our emotional margin, that you can restore our creativity. You can, God, just restore our, our energy, God, and our depth. 
God, our deep thinking, our deep problem solving, Lord. God, that we can be people like it said about Moses who speaks with you face to face without distraction, God. God, for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen.